time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this December the 9th, 2022 Praise be to God, the feast day of St. Juan Diego and the birthday of my oldest son. So there's that. Happy birthday, son. Hey, here's the question. Is everything we know about the wise men absolutely wrong? Well, Raymond Arorio has written a book, and it seems to be busting some myths about the wise men. We're going to be talking about that coming up at 35 past the hour. The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, published by Sophia Institute Press, we're getting him back on the show today. Uh, coming up at uh, 15 past the hour, though, I, the, you know, the darkness in the world is growing. And we need to talk about just how dark things are getting. Uh, you might have heard the Project Veritas story, the disgusting dean out of this private school that's teaching kids this perverted sexual behavior. Uh, well, American Girl Doll, as an institution, has really crumbled in recent years. Something we've loved at our home. I'm going to be sharing a story with you coming up at 15 past the hour. There is a war for the souls of the children. And if you are asleep, you better wake up fast because your time is ticking away pretty quick now. Dave Palmer joins us at the top of the next hour. What was Jesus's life like in the womb of his blessed mother? Was he like you and me? Did, like Just like when we were in the womb? Or was he unique and interesting because he is, of course, the God-man? We're going to talk about that with Dave Palmer in the next hour. Elon Musk has uh, dumped the second batch of Twitter files. This time, hopefully not filtered through the FBI operative who worked for the FBI, whom he just fired. Also, he seems to want to uh, give us transparency so we could log in and find out whether or not we have been banned or shadow banned or, you know, censored in any way. This is novel. YouTube, are you listening? Hello. We would love to have this feature there as well. Hey, the U.S. House of Representatives, they passed that uh, redefinition of marriage act thing. Thank you, Republicans. Aren't you amazing for, you know, voting for that? Uh, Guess what? A notorious Mexican cartel hitman has apparently vanished from FBI custody. Yeah, he was supposed to be in prison for like, you know, another 50 years, but nobody knows where he's at now. Gee, I wonder. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. It's good to be back. It was a wonderful day yesterday to celebrate the uh, feast day of the Immaculate Conception. And, uh, you know, Mass was wonderful as always. Praise uh, be God. You know what? It was a wonderful day also because mm-hmm. my sweet daughter helped me fix our generator. Wow. So we're prepared just in case. <laughs> I hope I never have to use it. Did she rebuild the carb again? Yeah, she did. She she was like, well, there's your problem. There's Ain't your problem got no right gas there. in it. You're using that and cheap said, oh, stuff. Dang it. You're right, in Maria. that can for seven months. What's wrong with you, boy? <laughs> it's been off for, I don't know, like 15 years. So yeah. it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Wow. Big Fif- feet. 15 years, you say? 15 years just sitting around. It's not working. Yeah. Wow. Hello, Maria. Tell her to stop by. I've got some things she needs to be fixing. <laughs> Speaking of things that need fixing, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is good to be here. Praise be to God. Okay. It was a beautiful day yesterday. I went and uh, I woke up bright and early, went to Mass, and 
you know, it was really nice to be able to, you know, dispense of some of those Advent practices. And mm-hmm. I ate some, uh, I ate some pizza. Mm. I ate a burger. Mm. I had some, had a <laughs> scoop of ice cream oh, and oh, yeah. a Dr. Pepper. Ooh. That was great. Wow. So it was a good day. Very health conscious, I can tell. Oh yeah, I, I only <laughs> I only eat healthy. I only eat healthy. You know, I learned, my body's a temple. Uh, you know, yesterday, speaking of health and temples and bodies, uh, I, as someone who identifies as a, a GoPro sponsored Red Bull mountain biking uh, professional, I learned yesterday that you should not try to descend a steep decline sideways. <laughs> wow. um, you, why not? So, you just just roll. So noted. Did yeah, I did fall? roll, actually. <laughs> I, I rolled down the hill with oh, my mountain no. bike and darn near broke my leg in the process. Uh, but yeah, hey, now I know. Hey, you should have just rolled with it. Now I did. <laughs> now I know. Now I know, know what not to do. Praise be to God. Hey, let's pray. Let's begin. We have a great show lined up for you today. Do share us with a friend. We would be very grateful. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known. That anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Friday, December 9th. Woo, it's Friday. Here's your headlines this morning. Breitbart reports, Biden leaves Marine Paul Whelan behind in Russia in Brittany Griner swap. And the family says it's a catastrophe. The family of retired Marine Paul Whelan said on Thursday that a prisoner swap for WNBA star Brittany Griner that left Whelan in Russia was a catastrophe because the U.S. would no longer have any leverage to free him. The choice of Griner over Wellen may reflect the preferences of Biden's political base. The WNBA star and celebrity is also a black lesbian who protested the U.S. national anthem. Whelan, uh, in contrast, is a middle-aged white man. Biden ran in 2020 on the claim that President Trump did not care about the men and women of the U.S. military, basing his attack on an unsubstantiated story in The Atlantic that called them or that claimed that he called them suckers and losers. Justin News reports Indiana sues TikTok for allegedly pushing adult content toward teens. The first suit focuses on claims that the app's algorithm is aimed at addicting younger users to its use and is pushing age-inappropriate content toward them to that end. It further asserts that the company incorrectly presents itself as age-appropriate for individuals age 12 and older, violating the state's consumer protection laws. The second suit addresses data security concerns, alleged that the company is the thrall of the Chinese government and that the communist dictatorship may secure access to American user data and potentially spy on or blackmail users through it. Military.com reports House passes defense bill that includes military pay raise and scraps the vaccine mandate. A bill to rescind the COVID-19 vaccine mandate for members of the U.S. military and provide nearly $858 billion worth of national defense funds passed the House on Thursday. The House uh, passed bill by a vote of uh, the House passed the bill rather by a vote of 350 to 80. It now goes to the Senate, where it's expected to pass easily, and then to the President to be signed into law. The Post Millennial reports American Girl promotes puberty blockers to eight-year-olds. A section of the Smart Girl's Guide body image book is devoted to promoting gender identity ideology to young girls, saying, quote, being transgender is not an illness. 
If you're questioning your gender identity, or if you already know for sure that you're trans or non-binary, talk to an adult you trust, like a parent or a school counselor. A trip to the doctor is advised, even though the girls have just been told that being transgender isn't an illness, and then the guide goes on to encourage social transition, suggesting a change of name and pronouns to, quote, make you feel most like the true you, unquote. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saints of the day. Yes, I got two for you today. A really short one and then a little bit longer one is Blessed Sebastian Montanol. He was a Spanish Dominican missionary and martyr. He was sent to Mexico from Spain and there worked among the Indians in Zacateca until his murder. He was killed by the local Indians for castigating some natives for treating the Eucharist with disrespect. He was martyred in 1616. The other saint of the day is Saint Georgiana. Georgiana was married married a man of some influence in Sidia, sometimes called Vitulian, and other times Melencius. But at least in one account, she is called the pattern of a married saint. She had several sons and three daughters, the most notable of whom was named Alapnia. Later in her life, she converted her husband and was baptized along with him and her sons and grandsons. Two times in her life, she was miraculously cured of serious maladies. The first of these was her having been trampled by a team of mules, causing her broken bones and crushed internal organs. Yet Gorgonia would have no doctor as she thought it indecent. According to legend, it was this modesty which cured her. Another time, she cured herself of a desperate illness by anointing herself with the sacred elements of the Eucharist, mixed with her own tears, which she had shed when her, with her head on the altar. She was cured of this disease as she was on the point, on the, as she was of the first, the symptoms of headache, fever, paralysis, and sporadic coma disappearing, allegedly through the strength of her prayer. Gorgania died in 375 of natural causes. Her father and mother were alive, though extremely old, at the time of her death. At her funeral, her brother, St. Gregory of Nazianzus, the younger, preached a eulogy, which declared her a model of Christian spouse and mother, as well as the paragon of women and the diamond of her sex. Her feast day on the calendar of saints is December 9th in the West and the 23rd in the East, the latter day purported to be the actual death, date of her death. Blessed Sebastian and St. Gorgonia, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19. Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in marketplaces and call to one another. We played the flute for you. But you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Adrian, did uh, Cornelius Alapide yes. have anything to offer today? So much from Cornelius Alapide today. We're not going to be able to get through all of it, but I'll try to get through as much as I can. He says, For John came neither eating, that is to say, not eating or living in pleasure like other men, but living austerely, fasting and feeding on locusts, that by this means he might arouse the scribes to compunction and affright them. Yet the scribes save him, he hath the devil. And such was their extraordinary ingratitude and wickedness because they saw his purity of life, his innocence, and they said, there's no way a human being could do something like that. No man can live that austerely, can be that holy. So obviously he's doing these good works by the devil. Oh, that makes sense. And he goes on to say, observe then how Christ supplies his parable. John's austere life is signified by the troop of boys lamenting. And but Christ living less austerely and conversing with the world more familiar is denoted by the choir of boys who piped. The scribes and Pharisees laughed at and derided both of them because they wished to be free from any reprove of their pleasures in licentious life. He says the son of man came eating, meaning coming to the common table, living after the manner of ordinary men and conversing familiarly with them. And they say, behold, a gluttonous man, because you see here that it was John who lived an austere life in the desert and Christ who led the ordinary life of men and that his that his affability might allure those from John's austerity who would, would terrify. What is Cornelius Lapide saying here? He's saying that Christ sent John as a forerunner to gather the people who needed to be compunction, who needed to be uh, moved by austerity. And so he sent John in this life of eating locusts, of living these, this very, very austere life. But then Christ came. And when Christ came, he wanted to come in a manner that would be more akin to the life of, of ordinary people. And yet the Pharisees saw both of them and rejected both of them because of their desire to do whatever they wanted. Do what thou wilt should be the whole of the law. Hmm, who says that? That would be, oh yeah, the Satanist. But everyone did he come that sinners might be converted from their sin to God. Wherefore, it was necessary that he should converse with them, eat and drink with them, and thus draw them to love and follow him. St. Thomas and Augustine have a lot to say, uh, Cornus Labade cites, but I'll skip over that. It was that Christ might show in all such things, namely food, drink, clothing, that it is not the things themselves, but the inordinate love of them, which is a fault. And so he taught that rich men may live religiously in their riches and still be saved. That's very, very important. Finally, I want to conclude because we only have about 40 seconds, is that wisdom seeks not the testimony of the mouth, but of deeds. So wisdom, divine wisdom, the Holy Ghost, our Lord, divine wisdom will not be mocked and will be show forth the truth by the actions of St. John and of our Lord. So let's meditate today upon that mystery, upon the fact that we can live the austerity of John the Baptist or we can live in the world like Christ did, but rejecting the evils of it. Amen. Praise be to God. Well said. Thank you, Cornelius Alapide, for your insight into the gospel today. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, there's going to be a great email coming your way this afternoon. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get signed up for it. Uh, Coming up, the darkness is growing in the world. We'll be right back. Unbelievers often reject religion because it sometimes causes conflict. They'll say, science will fly you to the moon, religion will fly you into buildings. Is this a rational basis for rejecting religion? The answer is no, and here's the reason. First, 
Just because something causes conflict doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, many wars have been fought over land. Does this mean we should do away with the right to private property? I don't think so. Second, the objection doesn't specify which religions cause war. It may belong to the essence of some religions to spread its message by the sword, and these we should reject, but it doesn't belong to all religions. So, to the question, should I reject religion because it causes conflict? The answer is no. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Raymond Arroyo, author of The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, is going to be on the show, busting some wise men myths. We had tried to have him on like two weeks ago. Didn't work out, but we did reschedule, and uh, he's going to be on today. So uh, is everything we know about the wise men wrong? Well, not everything, but interestingly enough, he does have some fascinating facts to share with us, and that's coming up. So do share us with a friend and join us if you can. But there are lots of stories in the news today that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And yesterday, uh, we were off, as you know, for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, Holy Day of Obligation. Hopefully, you made it to Mass. Uh, I'm going to be praying that you did. But I got a text message from a friend yesterday, and uh, he sent me a picture. I'm showing it to those watching the live video stream right now. Uh, he showed. He sent me a picture of a, of a that he took of his television. I guess he was watching Fox News, and there was a poll that they had taken that said uh, the least favorite holiday traditions. The least favorite holiday traditions. So among the least favorite holiday traditions that the people who participated in this poll, uh, coming in at the last place was decorating the home at 19%. Holiday parties was at 22%. Caroling or singing was at 24%. Yay and amen, brother. I mean, like... To be forced to have to carol and sing, I agree with you. This is among my least favorite holiday traditions, to be sure. Uh, coming in at number one, the worst thing that nobody really liked doing was gift exchanges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> bah humbug, that's what I say. But coming in at number two on this list, among the least favorite traditions to do during the Christmas season, attending religious services. I want you to think about that. I want that to ruminate in your mind for a second. That among your friends, your neighbors, your family members, your colleagues, your community, among the least favorite things that they have to do, twist their arm, is to go to a religious service. That is the world you live in. That is, that is the time of, uh, that we are now experiencing. What do they like to do? If these are the top five, um, what, from what I understand, what Christmas things is there left. From what I understand, eat pizza, drink Dr. Pepper, 
and eat other sort of uh, foods <laughs> uh-huh. that they attribute to the those Christmas are, season. Mm-hmm. Those are Christmas mm-hmm. traditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, apparently. I don't know. That, that's what blows my mind. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. I, I get that most people don't like going to religious services. I mean, that's obvious. But, well, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, they just don't like anything Christmas related Nothing. at all. Well, the darkness is growing, my friend, in the world around you. And I've been saying this now for a long time. There is a war for the souls of your children. They are coming for your children. And when I say that, people like go, come on. Like you can see the eye rolls, right? You can almost uh, hear their eyeballs rolling in their head. The gay men's choir? Like, come on, Joe. You're so like over the top. They're coming for your kids. Well, did you see the Project Veritas story? I'm just curious. Did you see this? I mean, apparently up at some prestigious Chicago school where they – 40-some thousand dollars a year in tuition to send your kid to this elitist school. And the dean is caught bragging over and over and over again about how he helped to corrupt the minds and the hearts and the souls of his teenage uh, students by bringing in the LGBTQ plus community, the health center, whatever they're called, to teach perverted sexual practices to these children, passing out adult air quotes toys close quote, uh, to these kids, let them play with them, and a drag queen to come in and pass out cookies and and brownies. And when the school, you know, catches the the story, the headlines that are circulating now across the Internet, that their own dean, their own teacher was on film bragging about this, guess what they said? You're fired? No, no, they didn't. They said Project Veritas is to blame for all of this. They are manipulating things. Go watch the video. Uh, well, actually, I don't recommend it because it's disgusting. It'll make your skin crawl. But if you really need proof, go watch the video and watch this guy double and triple and quadruple down over and over and over again, bragging about how easy it is, how it's part of the cool part of his job, and how much he has support from his leadership to do this very thing. They are corrupting your children one soul at a time. It is a war. It is a war. And now we see this story about the American Girl doll. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but American Girl doll has been a part of my family for years. I mean, literally, for many years since my daughters have been born, my wife got into American Girl doll with them, collecting some dolls that aren't being produced anymore. Um, trying to get all of their uh, their uh, accessories uh, for birthday parties. Instead of having a birthday party, I would take my daughters to the American Girl doll store and let them walk around. We'd purchase a doll. We'd have American Girl doll days there, and they would uh, you know, be fun engagements for our daughters and for their friends, for my wife, and they have a whole collection. I built a ginormous dollhouse. I'm talking massive to the size of American girls for my daughters. It's, we still have it today. My wife purchased American Girl dolls for her personal collection. And here's an article out of the Daily Mail. American Girl is accused of stripping away all innocence in book that teaches children as young as three how to change gender by asking doctors for puberty blockers. It says the popular American Girl doll brand is facing backlash for public, for pushing children as young as three uh, into changing their gender. A smart girl's guide, Body Image, contains lines that give advice to 
prepubescence on how to change their gender without their guardian's blessing. Parents have since slammed the book's contents as deceptive and dangerous. A passage in the book marketed to girls aged between 3 and 12 advises, quote, if you haven't gone through puberty yet, the doctor might offer medicine to delay your body's changes, giving you more time to think about your gender identity, close quote. Think about that for a second. That's in a kid's book. The article goes on to say, it also provides a list of resources for organizations that children can turn to if you don't have an adult you trust. I mean, parents are providing this book to their kids, supposedly, and in the book that parents are giving to their kids, it says, hey, if your parents don't like this, you can go around them. You can circumvent your parents' authority by calling all of these people who will be happy to help you, you know, mutilate your body and change your life for the worse and, you know, corrupt your soul. That is darkness, my friend. That is true darkness. The article goes on to say, it also provides a list of resources for organizations. I just read that. And it says, the book penned by resident American girl author Mel Hammond is currently available on shelves in bookstores across the country and on the company's website. I'm sure it's also available in their bookstore in, on their, in their stores as well. But they have examples here, uh, copies of some of the pages that you can find inside this uh, gem of literature. It, uh, this one is entitled Gender Joy. Messages about how bodies should look are different depending on a person's gender. Girls tend to face more pressure to have thin bodies and long hair and to wear clothes like skirts and dresses and blouses. Boys tend to feel more pressure to have a muscular body, keep their hair short, and wear pants and shorts. Luckily, it's up to you. They, they cross this part out, so I can't read it, but it's basically saying you can dress however you want. It's all up to you. It goes on to say in this book, quote, the way you show your gender to the world through clothes and behavior is your gender expression. Your gender expression can be feminine, masculine, or somewhere in between, and it might change. Maybe you'll experiment the bright dresses and with bright dresses and long feminine hairstyles, or possibly you might tr you might try baggy shorts or plaid shirts and a buzzed haircut. Your gender expression should make you feel at home in your body. The second page that they display on this is the one with the doctor. And basically the doctor is saying, look, I can give you some drugs. Okay. We can block that puberty stuff. And you'll have even more time to make a decision. Gee, I wonder what that does to the person's body. I wonder what it does to their emotional uh, state. Because hormones can have drastic effects upon the body. You, just, you know, women have been suffering through this uh, since the pill has been invented for a very long time now. And the effects are not great. Article goes on to say, earlier this year, its parent company, Mattel, recently put a transgender Barbie doll on the market. Before that, American Girl, which sells more than $30 million a year, shilled an Asian doll with anti-Asian hate crimes 
uh, while anti-Asian hate crimes were skyrocketing across the United States. The company is yet to comment on the contentious content. In the book, it normalizes being transgender and pushes children to use puberty blockers. It And I've already read that part to you. It says it goes on to advise children, you can appreciate your body for everything it allows you to experience and still want to change certain things about it. On the very same page, the book promotes the use of puberty blockers, telling girls to seek them out uh, from their doctors if they feel confused about their gender but are not physically ready to undergo hormone therapy. In other words, oh, this is just stage one. Stage two gets even better when you start physically altering your body through surgery. The author, apparently, is uh, somebody who embraces this lifestyle. Somebody who wants to encourage others to embrace this lifestyle. You might remember in the gospel when our Lord talks about woe unto those who cause these little ones to sin. It better, it would be better if they had never been born as a millstone may be placed around their neck and cast into the ocean. There is a war. There is a war at stake for the lives of your children, for their very souls. And unless we wake up and do something about that now, it is too late. How many of your children, my children, will abandon the faith just within the next 10 years alone when we send them off to college? Because, golly gee whiz, if they don't have a degree, they won't amount to anything in life. So we send them off to the next closest university because they've got to go to a great university. They've got to go to our alma mater carry on the tradition, they've got to join the sorority, the fraternity, they've got to get great jobs, you know. And how many of them, like this graduate-level master's degree uh, author of this book, will embrace this lifestyle and furthermore try to teach it to the next generation? Kind of like this dean of students at this private elitist school up in Chicago who has not only uh, embraced it, but has made it apparently his life's mission to indoctrinate his students who pay top dollar in this perverse, wicked culture. The day is dark. Let there be no mistake about this. Only the light of Christ can vanquish this thing. Only Christ himself is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we do not preach that in season and out, if we do not shout it from the, the rafters, from the rooftops, from the mountaintops, the world is lost. If the world gets worse from here on out, the blame is on us for not doing what we were commanded to do, to evangelize every single soul. This behavior is intolerable, and you should never allow your kids to be exposed to it. We'll be right back. Raymond Arroyo is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when people set out to destroy the church? They don't destroy the church, but they manage to wreck everything else. G.K. Chesterton says men who begin to fight the church for the sake of freedom and humanity end up flinging away freedom and humanity if only they may fight the church. The secularists have not managed to destroy divine things, but they have destroyed secular things. Thanks to the war against the church, the world is a mess. We have more disorder, more distress, more discontent than ever before. 
And that's why we must defend the faith. By defending God's truth, we are defending all truth. By defending the church, we are saving the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Planning on shopping online this year for Christmas? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you do your Christmas shopping online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give some extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network during the holiday season. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. This one's from LiveSite News. Blackmail. EU votes to freeze 11.5 billion euros in aid to Hungary over pro-family policies. The European Commission voted last week to freeze 11.5 billion euros in aid to Hungary. This latest development in the EU struggle with the Central European nation falls short of the expected invocation of Article 7, which is a mechanism invented to allow member states whose policies disagree with the values of the EU to be sanctioned and deprived of their voting rights against Viktor Orban's government. When asked whether he had privately approached with the suggestion, were, uh, when asked whether he had been privately approached with a suggestion that he drop his party's policies on NGOs, immigration, and child protection, Orban replied it was an open secret that these were the real reasons for the EU's treatment of Hungary. He says, quote, it's not about reforms, it's blackmail, pure and simple, unquote. Catholic News Agency reports UK Supreme Court rules in favor of banning prayer and protests at abortion clinics. A Northern Ireland law to ban pro-life advocacy near abortion providers, including advocacy of abortion alternatives, is, quote, justifiable, unquote, and compatible with the rights of people who want to express their opposition to abortion, the UK Supreme Court unanimously ruled on Wednesday. The law prohibits direct and indirect pro-life influence broadly defined within 100 meters, and that's uh, 328 feet for our American audience, of an abortion provider. The designated areas have been called censorship zones by critics of the law, who include the legal group Alliance Defending Freedom UK. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all thanks. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. By the way, um, I'm going to be giving away a copy of Raymond's book, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. If you would like to win a copy of this free, as just being a part of the Catholic Drive Time family, make sure you're on our email list. I'm going to send the email out today. You're going to get instructions on how you could win this book. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, that's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But uh, praise be to God. Joining us right now via telephone is Raymond Arroyo, author of The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, published by Sophia Institute Press. Good morning to you, Raymond. Hey, great to be with you, Joe. Thank you for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. Thank you for your time. And uh, we're grateful that we got you back on. It was a mix-up a couple weeks ago. Uh, but this book I found interesting, especially as, I mean, yes, it's a beautiful children's family book. That's true. But it seems like you put a lot more effort into an illustrated children's book than the normal author would. You did some deep-dive research on the myths, and you seem to be busting a few of these myths. Tell us about the background. Well, you, you know, uh, Joe, 
I wrote a book called The Spider Who Saved Christmas a few Christmases ago. It continues to be a bestseller, and people love that story. So that's based on an old legend. It kind of falls in the cracks of the gospel. What happened to the Holy Family on their way to Egypt? They went into a cave, and there is this story. And it's the reason we decorate our trees with tinsel. And, Joe, I love stories that illuminate and widen our perspective on a story we took for granted or a practice we take for granted. So I was kicking around looking for a legend about the wise men that might also sort of fit in the cracks, tell us something we don't know, uh, you know. And, and the, then when I started, the more I dug, the more I realized everything we know about these wise men is mostly legendary. The, you know the old song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Uh, they weren't three they weren't kings. They weren't from the Far East. So once you know that, and, and you get that from first and second century sources, they all say they were from Arabia. The Coptic Church says there were 60 wise men. <laughs> the the uh, Armenian Church and, and Syrian Church says there were probably 12. So the truth is we don't know, but the Gospel only talks about three gifts, not three wise men. So I, I thought, I've got to dig into this and find out What's the reality here? Who these men were and where did they actually come from? And what drove them to go to this Christ child? And it began an eight-month research uh, project on my part, and I, I contacted some of the renowned biblical scholars, ancient world historians, archaeologists, astrologers, astronomers, rather, um, and I learned so much. And I thought, I shouldn't put this into a chapter book. No one will read it. <laughs> I should put this into a picture book where families can get their hands on it, and it can open up their thinking, open up their historical perspective through a great adventurous tale, which is what you find when you burrow down to the history of it. It's far more interesting than the boring Three Kings procession we've been led to believe uh, you know, characterizes these wise men. All right, so if they're not kings... Who are they? Yep. And if they're not from the Far East, where are they from? Well, they, again, the, the Gospel says men from the East. East meaning oh, Petra, modern-day Petra, the kingdom of Nabate. Uh, Clement of Rome, Justin Martyr in the first century, says the wise men came from Arabia. So there's only one candidate. It would have to be the kingdom of Nabatea. That was the headquarters, if you will, of Arabia. It's also where all three of those commodities that they bring the Christ child, frankincense, gold, myrrh, only the kingdom of Nabate either controlled or manufactured those goods. Uh, myrrh and, and frankincense comes from tree sap, which I didn't know until I started exploring this. Uh, and that tr those trees only grow in southern Arabia. The gold mines of Midian, the King Solomon's mines, Real places, archaeologically verifiable, controlled by the kingdom of Nabatea. So it makes sense that the king of Nabatea would have sent his magi, who were just his royal consultants, wise men, you know, astrologers, uh, 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 mathematicians, theologians. These were men who knew things the king didn't. And you go into the Old Testament, you see Daniel interpreting dreams for the king. All of this is part of that ancient world. So that's who the Magi were. Um, they, look, were they, they may have been Persian priests or expelled from Persia because that, that caste of priests had already been 
they, they tried a coup and they, basically the Parthians expelled them. Too much history to go into here. But th- maybe they were Babylonian Persians, Persian priests living in Petra or better candidate. And there's a wonderful researcher, Margaret Barker, who has a theory that I subscribe to, but that I hint at in the book, but I don't really answer this question because we don't really know, Joe. Mm. They may have been Persian priests. They may have, may have been priests of the first temple royal priesthood mm. in Jerusalem. Now, the order of Melchizedek that we hear about at every Mass, that I'll bet most people have no idea what they're talking about, the order of Melchizedek is that royal high priesthood, the first temple priesthood. They were expelled from the temple 700 years before Jesus. Where did they go? The kingdom of Nabate. They went to Arabia. It had the largest Jewish community outside of Jerusalem. In fact, it may have been the largest in the Middle East at the time. Um, What happens there is, I believe, uh, some of these magi were the descendants of this first temple priesthood. They're immersed in the Jewish prophecies of the Messiah. They, they're looking to the skies for verification, a sign that the prophecy has come to pass, and they see it. When they do, they go to their king and they say, as they do in my book, there's a new king of the Jews, a new king of, uh, of, of Judea. We have to go see him. Their king thinks, wait, Herod had a kid. Herod must have had a kid or a grandchild. Okay, go bring him tribute. And he sends these magi on a royal diplomatic mission, which, Joe, that's the only way they would have been allowed to pass through the borders between Nabatea and Judea. Herod maliciously and ruthlessly patrolled his borders. You couldn't just walk in with your camels. That's why this old idea of, you know, the, the, the kings from different kingdoms and their caravan crossing several, you know, uh, empires to get to Judea. This is nonsense. This would never have happened. Um, and and the, the, but a royal diplomatic mission from Nabatea to Judea may have happened, mm. and that's why they'd go to Herod first. They don't go looking for the child first. They go to Herod because they have to follow the protocol. But their mission is to find this child, and I believe there was a religious impulse on the part of the wise men. Uh, one of our listeners right now is asking the question: Okay, well, what about those beautiful golden casa? Uh, ca- uh, the 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 uh, the tombs are these boxes that hold the remains of the wise men in Cologne Cathedral. Uh, did you did you find anything? What about, about them? Uh, is it legit? Is it real? Have you yeah, busted well, that I myth? Mean, no, no, no. They they may well be they may well be the remains of these wise men. Um, but the question is, how many are there? Where mm. did they go? We don't know, Joe. History doesn't tell us. Now, there is there is some traditional belief that. And this makes sense. Again, when you start to focus on the historical period, it doesn't narrow this story and reduce it. It blows it up and expands it. It gives it, I think, theological and spiritual importance that, frankly, I never got from the three tired old kings hanging around on the edge of the nativity scene. <laughs> oh, by the way, I hate to ruin anybody's Christmas. I'm not ruining your Christmas. I'm, I'm enriching it, I hope. They never came to the nativity. The wise men were not at the nativity. They were not there. They didn't come for months, probably two years after the birth of Jesus. And how do I know that? Why do I say such a horrible thing? People, some people are upset. Oh, oh, come on, you're taking the nativity away. You're taking the wise men out of, the, out of Christmas. No, 
they, they, they very likely were not at the nativity, the birth spot of Jesus. They found him two years later. How do we know that? Who does Herod kill? He kills all the children two and under. Hold that thought. He doesn't kill the newborns. We're up against a hard break for the network. Hold that thought. We're going to be right back. Raymond Arroyo is our guest. The book is The Wise Men Who Found Christmas by Sophia Institute Press. You can find them on their website at sophiainstitute.com. But we have a lot more in our conversation with Raymond Arroyo. It's coming up in just about a minute and a half. We'll be right back. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas, and thanks to the Guadalupe Radio Network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. And especially a big thank you to all your donors who donate to the network, and uh, it really helps a lot of us felons find the way and find that the, the Catholic truth and get back on track. So really thank you for that. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone, while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at the top of the next hour, Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father, is going to be our guest. What was it like for Jesus in the womb of the Blessed Mother? Was he, did his experience, uh, was it kind of like yours or mine, or was it different because he was, in fact, the God-man? In fact, what did St. Thomas Aquinas have to say? We're going to have that conversation with Dave Palmer. And don't forget, if you would like to win your free copy of The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, make sure to be on our email list. I'm going to send you an email this afternoon with instructions. And uh, first one, you know, first come, first serve. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to get signed up to the insider email list today. Raymond Arroyo, welcome back to the program. Uh, we went to break, and you were starting to talk about the timeline and how a lot of people misunderstand the timeline of the visit of these three wise men, not at the Nativity, but sometime later. Can you pick up there? Yes, well, this is why I wanted to, to really retell this story for families, because, look, we make a lot of conjectures based on statuary we see in churches or under trees, um, old stories we were told, or images from Christmas cards— and then we conflate that with the gospel. But the timeline in our head, the cultural images don't always square when you're talking about the nativity and particularly the wise men and their visit. The wise men very likely did not come to the Christ child for months, but probably two years after the birth of Christ. Uh, we know that because Herod doesn't, when the wise men don't return to him, and remember he tells them, Go find the child. Tell me where he is. I, I want to go worship him. Herod killed three of his sons and a wife to protect his throne. 
There was no way he was going to worship a new king of the Jews, I can promise you. So what happens is when the wise men scatter and don't come back to him, he puts out a death penalty. He puts out a, a hit, basically, on any child under two years old. If Jesus had just been born, he might have put a hit out on children newborn, mm-hmm. or maybe one and under. The fact that he uses two and under tell us maybe that child was older and the wise men didn't reach him for some time after his birth. But whatever the case, this is not some staid, boring uh, royal parade. This is a diplomatic mission with a religious impulse. And that's why I love the idea, Joe, that Arabian horses were introduced into the kingdom of Nabatea a hundred years before Jesus. That was the Tesla of the day. So if these wise men were traveling the 300 miles from Petra to, to Bethlehem, they were probably on those Arabian horses. So I put them on those horses in the book, and I love that <laughs> image of them, because they're racing toward the truth. They're racing toward the Messiah. They can't wait to get to him. That just gave a different feel, I think, to those tired old kings on the back of their their camels. And by the way, king, those names, Melchior, uh, Balthazar, uh, Caspar— those were created by Venerable Bede 700 years after Christ. He was the one who gave them the names, the identity. And, and by the way, each of those names, they just mean king in different languages. Melchior's Hebrew, Kaiser's German, the other's a Semitic dead language. So uh, it, it, those, those things, as sweet as they are, they don't really help us get in touch with the first century world, and I think the reality of where these wise men were and what they were doing and how it relates to our lives. And that's what I'm trying to do with the book. Yeah. You know, one thing I thought about in your book, in the last segment, I talked about this American Girl doll book that just came out and is promoting transgenderism and puberty blockers, even behind parents' back even. It suggests that they just circumvent their parents' authority in all of this. The power, and and I've been saying this for years, there's a war for the souls of children. And they're coming after them. And the power to uh, manipulate the minds of children is is a tool in the progressive and the modernist left. And here we are seeing a beautiful book that's not just uh, meant to bring families together instead of tear them apart, but it's meant to educate them in a deeper, more profound level, which is one of the things I did find fascinating about your book is that it's not just an illustrated children's book. It does have some depth to it. No. Well, Joe, I, you know, uh, you, uh, I thank you for saying that. I never write down to my audience, no matter who I'm writing. And I, I did do the same thing on TV. Um, you know, you don't, you don't talk down to your audience. You, you, you try to raise up the, the discourse and, and raise up what they can consider and what you've discovered. And you have to labor for that. I write family reads. I don't write for children. People tell me, oh, you write children's books derisively. No, no, no. I write family reads because I'm writing for the child today who will be an adult tomorrow. And I've had that experience with my own children. You read literature, you know, young per- person's literature, family literature. It changes on you as you grow. Peter Pan, uh, Treasure Island, the Bible, those stories will shift on you as you get older. The, mo- the story isn't changing. You're changing. What you know is changing. So you have to write higher. You have to write for the spirit Uh, You know, I I write for the young and the young at heart, and you have to write for that entire audience. But my goal is really to bring families together. It's the opposite of what the American Girl Book's trying to do, which is separate the child from the parent. 
I want to bring parents and generations together because it's there where I think a culture is refortified, where values and truths are passed on one generation to the other. And look, as an author, I only do 50% of the story. And, and uh, Diane LaFayer, my incredible illustrator who brought this story, elevated this story, um, we only do 50%. We just put words and pictures together on a page. It is in the reader's mind and in the conversation they have where the story comes to life. And so the reader has half the job to do. I just have to lead them down the path. Let me get this in before we run out of time. This blew my mind. Margaret Barker, who is an uh, incredible uh, researcher and of the ancient world, translator of dead tongues. She translates for the Jordan, Jordanese government and the, and the Israeli government. Incredible woman, uh, Cambridge educated. Margaret has a theory that I now subscribe to, and I mentioned this in the last segment, that the wise men may have been members of that first temple royal priesthood. If that is true, Philo of Alexandria tells us in the first century there were three markings of that royal priesthood. One, they had gold in their vestments. The order of Melchizedek, the royal priests, had that in their vestments, gold. They burned incense in that first temple, okay? And most importantly, and this is unique to the first temple, it didn't happen in the second temple, they kept myrrh oil in the Holy of Holies, the place reserved for God himself. Why? Because that myrrh oil was used only to ordain and anoint new members of the royal priesthood and kings. So when the wise men are running out and they're racing to this Christ child, it's not a gift drop-off. It may have been a part of their religious ceremony where they are initiating Jesus, the final high priest, the ultimate intercessor, the final connection between the old and the new. They are completing the circle of the first temple, restoring the first temple, and welcoming in that final high priest into their order of Melchizedek. That may have been what ha what's happening here. And if that's the case, we see why Matthew opens his gospel with these wise men, why they have continued to survive all these centuries. We keep their figures under our trees. Our children play them in Christmas pageants. Why have they endured all this time if they're just people doing a gift drop by? This, this is not a baby shower. <laughs> this may have been something far more important and, and weighty and significant, and I think fascinating um it's very what is interesting to me was when i was going through uh i i attend a tlm and so i was looking at the uh, looking ahead to the third sunday of advent gospel and when mm -hmm. you look at cornelius elapide and the early church fathers they talk about how the jews were looking for an advent but it wasn't the christmas one that they were after it was the final judgment one that they were expecting the messiah to bring so is there an aspect of here of these three men coming from Petra, uh, seeking this Messiah from the heart and mind of ancient Judaism? Uh, would they have been seeking uh, the rise of the king that would bring about the final judgment? Well, if assuming they're members of that royal priesthood, yes, that would be part of it. The other part is this holy wisdom idea, which you find in the Old Testament, which these first temple priests were obsessed with. Um, the other thing, Joe, and again, I'm getting way into the weeds, but I love this so much. And um, if, if people want to know more, we're doing a Fox Nation special on December 6, uh, 16th. And how great 
that Fox Nation allows me to do a special like this, where I'm talking to biblical scholars, Father Dwight Longenecker, who did an incredible book on this topic, you know, broke some new ground, astronomers, really, uh, we delve deeply into a lot of these issues, and it's a 30-minute special, the family can watch it, it's a lot of fun, but, um, the, the, you know, that myrrh oil, this is really interesting, if you go back and you read some of the Jewish literature, the Jewish legends and lore, the myrrh oil was known as the dew of the resurrection. They said this that it actually came from the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. So when they're anointing, if, if, if that's what they were about, to anoint this Christ child, to anoint this Messiah, it, what they're really trying to do is restore Eden, which is what happens. He opens up and restores Eden. So there's a beautiful theological and and um, uh, and and spiritual circle being drawn. I think with this story, a completion of the circle and the cycle in Christ and beyond Him through Him. And I, uh, th- but this idea of holy wisdom was very important to them. And the question is, and it is a question: What happened to the wise men after they left mm. Jesus? Clearly, they were transformed, and I love that they go, you know, Fulton Sheen had that great line, uh, once you encounter the Christ child, you can never leave the same way. We all leave by different paths. We leave renewed and changed. Um, it's very likely they went to Damascus. Tradition tells us that's where they are, uh, or where they went. It's interesting, later, St. Paul, after his conversion, he falls off the horse, and the Gospel tells us he went to where? Arabia, for three years. He vanishes. He's off the scene. Where does he go, Joe? Where does he go? Hmm. We don't really know. But there is tradition to support that. There is no, like, Christian institute. He didn't go to Ave Maria or, or Franciscan <laughs> University in you know, East. He didn't. There was no such thing. There's a nascent persecuted church at the time. So where did he go for instruction? He may have well gone and may have spent time with these wise men. And if they were members of that royal priesthood, descendants of that royal priesthood, wise men of, if you translate it from the Hebrew, not only wise men from the East, but wise men of the ancient times, which is how it translates as well. Um, If that's true, maybe that is where he received his particular almost mystical um, training in the faith. That would be amazing. Raymond Arorio, God bless you, my friend. Thanks for being on with us today. We're out of time. Pick up your copy of The Wise Men Who Found Christmas at SophiaInstitute.com. That's SophiaInstitute.com. But if you would like to get a free copy, make sure you're on my email list. Go to GRNOnline.com forward slash CDT and sign up to the the insider email list today. I'll send you your instructions this afternoon. Brendan Royal, God bless you and God love you. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Father John Bartunik 
in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse He has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash... Serving God's Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, this is KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas. Your destination for Catholic Radio, on air and online at grnonline.com. Peter Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. It's Friday. You have survived it. You made it through the week. Praise be to God. Congratulations. I would say uh, looking forward to the weekend, but to be honest with you, probably not because I my wife gave me the honeydew already. Uh, <laughs> She's like, it's like all Uber driver all the time this week. It weekend. truly sucks to suck, Joe. <laughs> I finished my Wise last Wise words. Week. Wise words. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, okay, you got to drive someone here. You got to drive someone there. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing this. I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hermit at heart. Yeah, I'm me like, too. Bah humbug. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just want to just want to do my thing. Very selfish of me, but nonetheless, it'll be a great week. I'm just just complaining out loud, or as some would say, I'm explaining, not complaining. Yeah, I, but in reality, I, I'm complaining. I'm a hermit as well. I have a new cell, by the way. You do the garage, so I just kind of <laughs> spend time there now. It's whew. mine's full of stuff, so I can't I can't do that. Mine's getting there. I have an office. If upstairs. I'm not careful, it, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna become a storage space. <laughs> if you're not so super far careful. right now, I can work in it. <laughs> you and should. I'm getting some stuff done. Can I give you some pro level dad tip here? Tell me. Change the locks. I need I need the now. wisdom. Change the locks. Garage. Change okay. the locks, and you're the only one who possesses the keys. Okay. Okay. <laughs> when we first moved I, into I'm the teasing. house, just my teasing. my wife was uh, talking about, yeah, I'm just going to park the car in the garage, and I was like, whoa, uh, time out. Wait, um, offside. So penalty on the field. But you got to be careful with how you say it, right? So mm. I said, oh, I don't know, I don't know, my mm. sweetie. You know, it's 
it's hard to get the car in there. You got to back it out. Look at it. You know, it's got that little center column there. It's going to yeah. be really hard to back the car. <laughs> you might, you might as well just park outside. Don't, don't go park I in think, there. And I think I saw a tweet. You get cancer for parking your car in the garage. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. What? Don't fact check that. Just go with it. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, don't be messing man. with the man cave. I guess. Uh, praise be God. I, I, we're getting a lot of great feedback here on that interview with Raymond Dororio. Nick the Mike, good friend of the show, says, uh, Raymond just turned my world upside down in a good way. Yeah, I, I was shattered mm-hmm. on the back end. I didn't want to interrupt because he was on a roll, but pff, it was kind of like the first time I've heard some of those things. And I'm just really? like, pff, like mind blown, yeah. shattered, Yeah, uh, chills moment. You know, when we talked about sort of um, the timing of when the wise men uh, – came to visit the the family, you know, it becomes clear because he mentioned the two-year-old thing. I've heard that uh, for a long time. I've heard that, you know, of course, two years and younger is basically indicating that they didn't show up right away. But there's also a difference in the accounts. You know, obviously, Our Lady gives uh, birth to the divine child, some would say, through the ribcage, by the way, Mm -hmm. miraculously. Hmm, Like light passing through glass? Yes, kind of like that. Um, Preserving her virginity, Mm -hmm. miraculously, through the process, but in a cave, that happened in a cave. That cave is preserved today. If you go to the Holy Land, you can... I think Adrian has visited the, that cave in the Holy Land. Did I you have. Know? Yeah, praise be to God. Versus if you go to Matthew's Gospel and you see the wise men visiting, they come into a house, hmm. not a cave. So that indicates the passage of time, that there were they were in a cave, but at some point they moved to a house. Some would say out in the suburbs, mm-hmm. two stories, nice yard. Got a dog. A garage. Garage. Where Joseph's like, <laughs> I changed the locks. It's my man You got to keep the donkey out. <laughs> the donkey the has to stay He gets out. in the way of the carpentry. And he's so loud. So annoying. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're teasing. I'm, it's just a joke. We're teasing. Don't don't cancel us. Uh, but uh, very good interview with Raymond Dorio. Yeah. I loved it. It was great. Good to have him on. Yeah. Glad it worked out. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Well, you know, uh, here in a second, we're going to be talking with Dave Palmer from host of Back to the Father about what it is like to be the divine child in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, you know, I was having a great conversation with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers Wednesday night. He was in town. He and I went to dinner, mm-hmm. and we were we were chatting it up. We were talking about how much of a snob I am when it comes to judging movies and television shows who <laughs> portray Our Lady. And uh, you got to do it. I'm a super you snob. Do like I have zero toleration for bad uh, portrayals of Our Lady. Mm-hmm. I can tolerate bad portrayals of Jesus for some odd reason, but not Our Lady. Yeah. Like ugh, Jesus is God; He can defend Himself. But Our Lady, come on, man, you got to get her right. And when you don't, I have no pity on you. And so we were we were discussing that, and and uh, some similar themes were coming up between our conversation with Raymond and and with uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers the other night. You know, you just there's an opportunity to educate and entertain all at the same time. And I think that's where Raymond's genius comes in, mm-hmm. you know, in comparing and contrasting that to, to the American Girl doll bo- uh, children's book, which is designed to instill darkness and perversion in the hearts of young people. Uh, Raymond's book can do uh, quite the opposite, not just in young people, but in families, whole families. So yeah, amen. It, it's a beautiful thing. Praise be to God. But uh, we're still waiting for Dave Palmer to join us. Uh, uh, Dave, are you on the phone? Yeah, I'm here, Joe. Can you hear me? Praise be to God, I can hear you, and I'm glad to do it. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. That, that was a great interview. I enjoy that very much. Raymond always uh, always brings it, doesn't he? Yeah, he sure yeah. does. It makes it it's the easy button. Right? <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, my friend? How was life? 
I am doing well. I, I think there's a great connection, uh, not only with what Raymond was talking about, but also the, the great solemnity that we celebrated yesterday with what I'm talking about mm-hmm. uh, on the, the program later on today. And uh, that, that is what happened at the moment of Christ's conception. You know, mm-hmm. people normally don't talk about that. We talk about uh, Mary's conception. We talk about the angel Gabriel coming to visit Mary at the moment of the Incarnation. But what was happening inside the womb with Jesus? And of course, that ties in with Advent as well, because uh, as we approach Christmas, we have to remember that Christ is in the womb, and what exactly is going on with him (laughs) inside the womb? And there's a lot more than I think most people think. Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, Deacon Harrelberg Servers and I discussed Wednesday night was how much uh, Our Lady is is uniquely different than the rest of us. But we treat we tend to want to treat her the same way as the rest of us. We look at the world through a concupiscent lens, so we think everybody must be exactly the same way. And yet Our Lady, albeit human, never had a concupiscent lens. Uh, she was not born in sin. She, she committed no sin during the course of her life. And uh, she died in such a state of grace that she is body and soul in heaven right now. Um, and uh, and so similar. So what is, how does that reality affect the reality of the God-man in the womb? Because, like, I don't remember being in the womb of my mother. Do you? I mean, I don't, I, I don't have any record. My earliest recollection ever, I was probably two years old. I could see we were living in an attic. In uh, in Germany, literally in an attic in Germany, and I remember being given a glass of milk and a glass, and I broke the glass with my teeth, and darn near swallowed the broken piece. Oh my goodness! And my dad, I remember my dad used to bonk his head on the rafters all the time, and he would he would shout out uh, colorful expletives, uh, you know, because he kept whacking his head on the roof. Uh, so that's my two years old before that happened. Uh, I, what, what, what would it have been like for our Lord? Well, yeah, that, that, that's a great memory. Gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, you know, the, the, this is a fascinating thing because there's, there's one question in the Summa, third part of the Summa, where uh, St. Thomas Aquinas is talking about the incarnation and the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it, it's really fascinating, but there's four particular articles that we're going to talk about in the program later on today. And it has to do with the perfection of Christ at the moment of his conception. And St. Thomas asks uh, four different questions. He says, was he, was he sanctified um, at the moment of his conception? Did he have full free will at the moment of his conception? Was he able to merit at the moment of his conception? And also, was he what Thomas calls a perfect comprehensor, which means, did he have the beatific vision as a, you know, a zygote, basically, uh, the, the moment of his conception, did he have the entire vision of heaven and of the beatific vision? And to each of those questions, St. Thomas Aquinas says yes, which is fascinating to think about, because like you say, your first memory was two years old. I think mine was at about 18 months. Wow. That means that Christ, at the moment of his conception, not only was thinking and processing but he had the full pietific vision as a, a little tiny zygote. It, it's fascinating <laughs> to think about, but yeah. there's many reasons why that kind of had to be. And also there's a very, very clear connection to uh, yesterday's Immaculate Conception, if you want to get into that as well. You know, it, it, it's utterly fascinating to think about, and I think it, it could be a difficult topic because most people would just reject the idea, again, because they relate to the world from their own perspective, rather than trying to see it from a, from a divine perspective, God-man's perspective. 
uh, how could an infant have perfect knowledge? How could an infant, you know, have rational thought and even communication? Uh, these are these seem very strange. These this would be the stuff of science fiction today in movies. Yeah, it really would. And uh, but you know the the. The, the reason is, is that it, it, with us, it's a process. You know, we don't, we don't have full exercise of our free will when we're inside the womb because there's really not a whole lot of decisions to make anyways. Uh, and full, full reason, you know, we say in the church that the age of reason, when we're really kind of like uh, accountable for our, our actions, is really at about age seven or so. But with Christ, that would imply that there was something lacking in him. You know, there, was, there had to be some kind of development with his reason and with his free will and and I think that's what Thomas was trying to reject, uh, this notion that there was, there was some kind of imperfection in Christ at the very beginning. You know what's interesting to me, Dave, is the the fact that so many so-called Christians will support abortion and say, well, you know, the person in the womb is not a human person. It's not a person yet. Yet, what would they say about our Lord? Would they would these people argue, oh, well, our Lord wasn't a person until he was, until he was born, until after he came out of the womb, or the, the whole idea becomes very incoherent once you bring in the God-man to the situation. At what point was he our Lord? Was he our Lord at the moment of conception? Was it at the third trimester? Was it at the uh, incarnate or the birth? Uh, was it at the adoption of uh, whenever the at the baptism at the Jordan? All these uh, things have these have great implications once you start accepting abortion as legitimate. Yeah, I agree. And if nothing else, it, it, it makes you at least ask the question, you know, <laughs> in, in Christ's case, at what point, you know, did he, was he given all these, these gifts? And, and like, you know, if you agree with St. Thomas Aquinas, you have to say, well, it was at the very moment. And I, I do think it, it plays into the abortion debate, for sure. Uh, you know, I always think in terms of how much did our Lord allow himself to be like us and how much did he retain in his divine nature? It seems like the Lord had command, like he allowed himself to suffer. He allowed himself to be under the authority of the high priest. He allowed himself, you know, to do all of these very human things to be 100% human and yet 100% divine. That is a mystery that it's really hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, it really is. And there, there's a lot of this in the Summa. I, I think it's a great conversation. Is uh, Yeah, how, how can he be like man in all things except for sin, um, but then at the same time be God who has assumed a, a human nature? And where do those distinctions fall? And, and you know, and going back to Our Lady, uh, this is the, the reason, uh, you know, I talked about the tie-in with the Immaculate Conception. This is the reason why I think it took so long for the Church to finally dogmatize the Immaculate Conception, is that St. Thomas Aquinas was very, very reluctant to give the same privilege to Our Lady that he gives to, to Jesus. And, of course, the idea of, of being sanctified at the moment of conception, which is exactly what the dogma of the, of the Immaculate Conception states, he, he gave that to Jesus. I mean, that, that, would, that happened to Jesus, but he was not, he, he just was so reluctant to say Mary had that same privilege as Jesus did, being sanctified at the moment of conception. So, mm -hmm. yeah, this whole idea of how are we 
you know, similar to Jesus, different from Jesus, and also uh, maybe more so similar to Mary, and, and, and in the, the sense that you led off this whole interview, how, how is Mary um, elevated and distinct from us? You know, I've been going through, uh, once again, The End of the Present World by Father Charles uh, Armijan, and it's a great book if you've never been, uh, gone through it. Uh, dear audience, I do, do recommend it. Uh, but it talks about the fires of hell, and it talks about the fires of purgatory, uh, you know, being purified through this this material and spiritual experience is uh, painful, and yet, uh, and yet it prepares you to be perfect in heaven. And you think in terms of Our Lady, how much more perfect she must really be in order to be the vessel in which the God-man enters and takes upon flesh in this world. I, I don't think he can be under—I don't think we can state that enough, I guess is my point. What say you, Dave Palmer? Yeah, I, I think so. That's why she had to be prepared as she was with the graces to be conceived, you know, w- w- without the, the stain of original sin, because <laughs> she was she was going to be uh, that that perfect vessel, which which really speaks, of course, also of the dignity of Christ, where he needed uh, the perfect vessel, the perfect woman, the sinless woman, in order to have that. Uh, you know, that time of development yeah. inside the womb before he entered in, into the world right. you know, as, a, as, a, as a child at Christmas. So it all, yeah. Yeah, it all definitely ties together. De- definitely good things to, to think about. Yeah, well, praise be to God. The Back to the Father program comes on Fridays, uh, 1 p.m. Central, 2 Eastern. You can uh, hang out, interact live with Dave Palmer and his crew uh, on the GRN YouTube channel, also on the GRN Online Facebook page. So search for GRN online on YouTube or Facebook. You'll find it. 1 p.m. Central, 2 Eastern. And uh, God bless you, Dave Palmer. Thanks for being on with us today. Thanks a lot, Joe. All right. Coming up after this quick break, we're going to play Fear and Trembling, and we're going to give out a prize. You could win, but you got to call right now to get your chance in. 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play, 877-757-9424. In Romans chapter 3, it says that none is righteous in that all have sinned. But the Catholic Church teaches that Mary is without sin. How can that be? Romans 3 verse 10 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Yet James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If absolutely no one is righteous, then who is James talking about? Luke chapter 1 says that Elizabeth and Zechariah were righteous before God. If absolutely no one is righteous, then how can that be? Is scripture contradicting itself? No, the folks who interpret Romans as saying absolutely without exception, no one is righteous, are misinterpreting that passage. They are failing to realize that the key to understanding Romans 3.10 is the phrase, it is written. Here in Romans, Paul is quoting from the Old Testament, Psalm 14 to be exact. In Psalm 14, it says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. There is none that does good. But then that same psalm goes on to talk about the righteous. Well, if none has done good, who are the righteous people the psalm is talking about? Obviously, when the psalmist says that none is good, he is talking about the fools who say there is no God. He is not talking about absolutely everyone. Just so Paul, when he quotes from the psalm. Paul is not saying absolutely no one is righteous. If he was, then how do you explain all the Old and New Testament passages that refer to the righteous? In Romans 3.11, it says that no one seeks for God. Does that mean that absolutely no one is seeking God? No, to interpret it that way would be ludicrous. Just so verse 23, which says that all have sinned. 
Babies haven't sinned, have they? Little children haven't sinned, have they? No, this is not an absolute. There are exceptions. So it is perfectly legitimate to say that these passages from Romans, when interpreted in context, in no way conflict with the church's teaching on Mary being without sin. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and fear and trembling. A Catholic trivia game show. (laughs) Secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anybody. All right? Stop it. I can see you tweeting right now. Don't do it. It won't go anywhere anyway. You're shadow banned. But nonetheless, (laughs) we have a few things that we do on the down low, the back end, the QT. We just don't want anybody to know about it, so don't tell them. Uh, Number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you stop laughing. You're throwing me off. We have teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith. And praise be to God. I mean, you got Christmas parties coming up, you know, with the whole awkward Christmas sweater thing. And just think about all the bragging you're going to get to do. Oh, yeah. Guess what I guess what I know about Catholic faith. That's that. See, we're helping you out. And then, of course, we like to laugh. We like to chuckle, like to have a good time. Our callers laugh with us. And uh, 10 out of 87 times, they like our jokes, and we appreciate that. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means there's a winner here for everyone. You could learn, you could laugh, and you could win. But the kicker, the secret sauce, the, the real secret behind all of this is I don't ask the caller the questions. So they don't need to know. Uh, all I'm going to do is just ask Rudy and Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? They know they can trust me, but it's the other two that are super shady. And they're going to they're gonna make a decision, and then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week we're giving away, well, rather today we're going to give away the devil and Bella Dodd. Who was Bella Dodd? What did she do? Did mm-hmm. she, in fact, as mm-hmm. a communist infiltrator, install men into the priesthood with the intention of destroying the Catholic Church? Did she actually do that? Well, you're going to find out whoever wins the book today. We're going to give that away. It's published by Tan Books. But if you're interested in learning a little bit more, you can always go onto our YouTube page and um, search for Catholic Drive Time. And then in our, our channel, you can look for Bella Dodd. You can see all of our interviews that we did with Dr. Paul Kengor, who was a, a co-author for this book, and uh, really great interviews. So I encourage you to check that out. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Bella Dodd, for coming clean in the end. Praise be. Can I just say that? Diana, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Diana, we're grateful you're on the program. Where are you? Where where are you right now? Where where are you right now? I am in San Antonio driving to work. (laughs) Wow. What's the traffic like there? 
Uh, right now it's pretty steady. It's not heavy. It's good. Are you up on Loop 410 near the big uh, cowboy boots there at North Star Mall? Where are you at? I am on 281 North. Oh, oh, excuse, excuse me. That is where the rich folk live in San Antonio. Whoa, I mean. Driving to it. Oh, you probably have a driver driving you then. I mean, like, you're probably in the yeah, back, you're in the Maybach, you got your feet up, it's all leather, Corinthian leather. Good times. Uh, now, Diana, where do you go to church? I wish my dog was like Snoopy. <laughs> they could, she could drive me. It's, that's right. That's right. Where do you go to church, Diana? I go to Holy Name Catholic Church. How wonderful. Praise be to God. Now, Diana, are you familiar with the rules here? Yes, I am. All right. Praise be to God. Well, it's Friday, so you got to be extra careful about the sneakiness and the trickiness of both Rudy and Adrian. I shall endeavor to keep you on the right track, though, Diana. <laughs> Are you still sick over there, Adrian? Sorry, I had a little you, something in my throat. You still coughing up? Or? Yeah, yeah. I got to. Okay. Yeah, still, okay. My cough is still here. Don't be coughing my Sorry, way. Sorry, my, my mistake. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. my, my bad. All right, Diana, let's play. Uh, we're going to start with Rudy Carlos without his tie today, by the way. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Mixing, matching patterns I see today. Yeah, I am. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. mm -hmm. Is that wool? It, this is 100% wool. 100%. How many sheep were harmed in the making of your jacket? Just curious. Well, as far as I know, uh -huh. as long as they don't all like them. accidentally like <laughs> shear the sheep like really hard, yeah. they're not harmed at all. At all. all. So Every completely, completely symbiotic relationship. I here. see. They're probably like, oh, thank you for taking all that off. It was oh, hot. Man. This is summertime, wool. bro. Yeah. All right. Well, are you ready, sir? I am ready. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you... Are you really sure? Okay, I'm not ready, but let's okay. do it anyway. Okay, all right. Let's start with an easy one. Uh, Holy Father, in air quotes, refers to which position in the church? Trick question. Is you it? shall not call any man father. Oh. According to the Protestants. Just kidding. I... <laughs> but uh, that actually refers to the Pope. Il Papa. Il Papa. Il Papa. The Pope, Habemus Papam. Okay, so only the Pope. Only the Pope. Goes by Holy Father. Yep, Big Papa. Interesting. <laughs> Yikes. That was a, I don't think anybody calls him that. That was an image I didn't need. <laughs> All right, let's go with Adrian. Adrian, uh, I wonder if you might help us out today. Nah. Could, could you tell me, mm, no. uh, instead, I order you on pain of excommunication to oh, tell me, wow. Holy Father refers to which position in the church? Yes, that would actually be the head of the dicastery really? for parents. What? Mm-hmm. Mind blown. Yep. Uh, the head of the dicastery for parents, you Correct. say. Huh. Uh, and they call him the Holy Father. They do. All right. Interesting. Interesting. All right, Diana, you got options here as you uh, sit back in the lap of luxury there on the uh, elitist <laughs> Highway 281 North San Antonio. Uh, the Holy Father refers to which position in the church Adrian seems to think is the head of the dicastery of parents. Uh, but Rudy says, no, it's the Pope. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Diana, what say you? Oh, gosh, the pressure here. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can handle it. Mm -hmm. I would go with Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn. What shall I do? Oh, no. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, uh, the Pope is the correct answer for Holy Father. But don't, aren't there some people in, in the East that call their patriarch Holy Father as well? 
I don't know. I think I thought so, but nonetheless, the Pope, the one, the guy in the Vatican, in the you know the guy wearing the white cassock with the ring, red shoes, that guy. Oh, Benedict. Uh, oh wait, oh. sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm teasing. All right, second question. We're gonna go to uh, Brother Adrian for this one. Now I know Adrian because I was just on Twitter that mm. you have advanced degrees mm. in denotology. Mm. Uh, mm. Could you tell me then what term denotes? A conscious form of self-denial. Uh, any conscious form? Yeah, well, you're the expert, not okay. me. Okay. A term that denotes mm -hmm. any conscious form mm -hmm. of self-denial mm -hmm. is called an indulgence. Really? Mm -hmm. What? My, what? So if I self-denial, I am therefore indulging. Correct. I see where the Protestants are going with all this. Okay. All right, uh, Rudy, could you tell me what term denotes a conscious form of self-denial? Conscious form of self-denial would be a mortification, which is what we should do today mm -hmm. on Friday. Mm -hmm. We should abstain from meat or substitute it with something like, other. Like lobster. You know, some other difficult thing to do, a, a penance yeah. of sorts, a mortification. Mm -hmm. Lobster, garlic butter, crab meat. I think that's what they eat. Scallops. In. Real penance. Anyway, the North. Uh, Diana, you got options. Uh, what is a term that denotes self-denial? Would it be mortification, as Rudy wants us to believe, or an indulgence, as Adrian has suggested? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Diana, what say you? I would go with Rudy again. You just have to. I you would go with Rudy, wouldn't you? It was a penance, wasn't it? Yeah. It was well, yesterday, I was indulging in Dr. Pepper. Yeah. It was great. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, it was mortification of the body. Because I've been told it's bad yeah. for the body. So that's why so you're that's doing that's why I did. That. It's mortification. You are a saint, sir. <laughs> Woo, man. Look out for your sanctity. All right. You're in for two, Diana. You could win. Let's see if we can go for a perfect score today. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me money? or other valuables left for some religious purpose after one's death is called a what? Well, that's what's called a blood tithe. Really? As for me, since I'm completely broke, I'm just going to leave that generator that I fixed uh -huh. yesterday. Just, that's yeah. for the church. They that's, can use it to power <laughs> They can use something. your old, broken-down generator. <laughs> wow, you are generous. Wow. <laughs> Woo, woo. I'm glad you said that. All Joe. right, uh, Adrian. What say you? Money or other valuables left for some religious purpose after one's death is called what? Bequeathed. I'm sorry. What? Bequeathed. Kazunta. Bequeathed. God oh, bless so, you. Uh, sorry. Sorry. <clears throat> uh, what was it? A bequeathed. A bequeathed. Okay. You bequeath something. <laughs> All right, Diana. Uh, what is it called when you leave money or other valuables for a religious purpose after you should pass? Is it a bequest? Or a bequeathed, as Adrian says, or is it a blood tithe, as Rudy wants us to believe? Fifteen seconds, Diana. <laughs> Running out of time. What say you? Going with Rudy. No, Rudy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they tricked you. They tricked you. I blame Joe. It, it is a bequest. Is the correct answer. And, I, and we have a name? We have a winner this We week. have a winner? Hold on. Drum Diana. roll, Could please. Could be you. I don't know. Let's see what God says. It is Vicky. Vicky. Congrats. Yay. Diana, I'm sorry. It is not God's holy will that you should win, but likely you can. You live up in the North Rich Folk people. You probably could just buy the book <laughs> or bequest it back to us after your passing. Leave us in your will. 
God bless you, Diana. Good fun. Thanks for yeah, laughing with us today. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. Bye. Appreciate you playing today. All right, that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we would love to have you. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you back here on Monday. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. I ever tell you about the time. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass, live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt Community, for more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Friday of the second week of Advent. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Please stand and sing, Savior of the Nations, Come. Savior of the nations, come, Virgin Son, make her thy home. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth. Not by human flesh and blood, by the Spirit of our God Was the Word of God made flesh Woman's offspring, pure and fresh In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit Amen The Lord be with you And with your spirit Today we celebrate the memorial of one of our North American saints, St. Juan Diego Cuauhtlatoatzin. He lived in the 1400s and 1500s in what is now the Mexico City area. It was when he was 50 years old that he and his wife came to faith and were baptized by the newly arrived Franciscan missionaries. Seven years later, he was a widower, and it was on this day in the year 1531, he was on his way to Mass as he passed the hill of Tepeyac and the Virgin Mary appeared to him, Our Lady of Guadalupe. A few days later, she performed the miracle of placing on his tilma an image like the one I am wearing in my chasuble today. After the shrine was built there at her direction, he then built a home there and lived there for the remainder of his life, serving there and also telling people his story. He died in 1548. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. 
You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who by means of Saint Juan Diego showed the love of the Most Holy Virgin Mary for your people, grant through his intercession that by following the counsels our mother gave at Guadalupe, we may be ever constant in fulfilling your will. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I, the Lord your God, teach you what is for your good and lead you on the way you should go. If you would hearken to my commandments, your prosperity would be like a river and your vindication like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would be like the sand and those born of your stock like its grains their name never cut off or blotted out from my presence. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord, and meditates on his law day and night. Those, Those who, who follow, follow you, Lord, will have, have the light, light of life. He is like a tree planted near running water that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Those, Those who, who follow, follow you, Lord, will have, have the light, light of life. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. Those, Those who, who follow, follow you, Lord, will have, will have the, the light, light of life. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Go out to meet him, he is the Prince of Peace. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in marketplaces and call to one another, We played the flute for you, 
but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. During the first phase of our readings of Advent, our desire was stirred to look towards the second coming of our Lord and to desire that coming. And now we're in the second phase as we are turning to St. John the Baptist. For as he was sent to prepare the people in the first place to be ready to welcome our Lord Jesus, to prepare them by means of his words and also his life, so too now we listen to him again. For we have our desires stirred up, but the question is, are we ready? Are we ready to welcome our Lord when he comes again? And so it is that we listen to St. John the Baptist again, including today. We heard in our first reading the Lord speaking about how he would give his commandments, and if we would listen to them, this then would bring us great blessing. And so it is with our Lord's commandments, isn't it? He does not command to make us experience pain. He does not command to take away our joy or to take away our success. But what he commands is for our good and the good of those around us. It corresponds to his nature, to our nature, to the nature of the universe. His words bring us life. And yet what if we don't want to listen to them? We heard in our Gospel reading our Lord Jesus talking about how the people of his time, many of them, did not listen to John the Baptist, did not listen to him. We would wonder, were they just trying to come up with any excuse not to listen to them? As we hear them being contradictory, rejecting John because of his ascetic ways, rejecting Jesus because he was too exuberant. Or perhaps were they just confused? The people who were rejecting our Lord Jesus and St. John the Baptist and their message were not listening to their words and recognizing that they needed to change their ways to conform to those words and so that they might have life. But instead they had it the other way around. They were putting themselves up as judges and thinking that they could evaluate and judge John the Baptist and Jesus and find them lacking. John the Baptist and Jesus didn't, didn't do what they wanted them to, didn't do what they expected. You know, I may shake our heads and think, oh, such foolish people. But we can do it too. What if any one of us or anyone listening listens to them, hears words of our Lord Jesus and says, you know what, I, I don't want to do that. You have in your mind, you know Jesus is asking you something, or you know he has commanded you something of the way you are to live. But you're resisting. Not yet. I don't want to follow that yet. Well, maybe it's not Jesus. Maybe it's a messenger he's using. Might not be John the Baptist. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's your co-worker. Maybe it's your neighbor. 
Maybe the Lord is choosing to use them as a messenger. And you say, well, gosh, they have problems. They're not living perfectly. They're sinning. They're kind of annoying or offensive in this or that way. Yeah, maybe they are. But are you rejecting, failing to hear the Lord's message to you that will then bring you life because of the messenger? Today we remember a saint, Saint Juan Diego, who was chosen as a messenger by Our Lady Guadalupe. And we know that she asked him to go to speak to the bishop. And the bishop was a little bit skeptical. So after the first time he spoke to the bishop, he was then speaking to Our Lady again, and he said, you know, please choose another messenger. Choose someone more suitable. He felt that he was not prominent enough, not well-off enough, not well-educated enough. But Mary explained to him that she had a special reason for wanting exactly him to bring that message. She may want you or me to bring a message to someone who maybe isn't quite open to hearing it, at least not at first. But the bishop did eventually listen to Juan Diego. She might be sending a Juan Diego to speak to us. John the Baptist preached repentance, change of life, to be ready to welcome the Lord. May we hear those messages wherever they come from so that we may have life and be ready to welcome the Lord. Let us pray to the Lord, asking him to show his face and save the whole human family. For the Holy Church of God, that she may always imitate the believing attitude of Mary, who through her humility pleased the Lord, and through her obedience repaired the disobedience of Adam. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all people, that they may come to believe in Christ, and discover in him the definitive manifestation of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who live in sadness, that the coming of Christ may be the beginning of joy and hope, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all of us, that in the trials of life, we may be able to see God as present and saving, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, whose kingdom is already in our midst, we ask that you hear the prayer of your people and grant that we may be able to find you and hope in you in all the events of this life through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our offertory song is Servant Song. What do you want of me? serve you where can I sing your praises I am your song Jesus 
Brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Be pleased, O Lord, with our humble prayers and offerings. And since we have no merits to plead our cause, come, we pray, to our rescue with the protection of your mercy through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For in the marvelous confession of your saints, you make your church fruitful with strength ever new, and offer us sure signs of your love. And that your saving mysteries may be he fulfilled, their great example lends us courage, their fervent prayers sustain us in all we do. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks, as in exultation we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. 
In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters, who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, quit holis peccata mundi,
miserere nobis agnus dei qui tolis peccata mundi miserere nobis agnus dei Quitolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our mortal bodies to conform with his glorified body. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my
let us pray. Replenished by the food of spiritual nourishment, we humbly beseech you, O Lord, that through our partaking in this mystery, you may teach us to judge wisely the things of earth and hold firm to the things of heaven. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Now, Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks be to God. Please join in singing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive in The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hello, my name is Vera. I'm from Holy Rosary Catholic Church, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Network.